This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I want you to just hold your place. Put your finger in Psalm 103 and, uh, and do that. And we'll, go, we'll get to that presently, but just at the moment, uh, just put your finger in Psalm 103. Victor Maxwell, pastor, missionary, and prolific author from Northern Ireland, who's the president of ACRI International, uh, what was always known as the ACRI Gospel Mission. ACRI is a part of Brazil, and uh, they've got a great mission there. And in his daily devotional called A Word for Your Way, he tells the humorous story of a lady who supported the ACRI Gospel Mission with what she called a blessing box. It was simply a mission box, but she called it her blessing box. Because whenever she felt blessed of the Lord, particularly, she'd always put a coin or two in the blessing box. And of course, like all Christians, uh, there would be times when she didn't feel particularly blessed. There were some days weren't so good. And, And in those times, it seemed to be that the devil would whisper in her ear, where is the Lord now? Did it ever happen to you? Where is the Lord now? And so in those times when she was tempted to doubt God's blessing, uh, what she would do is she would reach for her blessing box and she would shake it. And she'd say, listen to that, you old devil. That's how much God's blessed me. (laughs) And so I ask you today, have you got a blessing box? Do I have a blessing box? Do you have something that you can shake at the devil and remind him and remind yourself that God has truly blessed you. Whenever we feel disappointed, whenever we feel let down or shortchanged, whenever things just doesn't work out quite as we had planned or we feel weak and weary, and the old devil comes along and he whispers in our ear to discourage us, uh, to make us feel down, it's at those times we need to bring out our blessing box. We need to remember the blessings of the Lord. Paul said, for instance, we are hard-pressed, but yet we are not crushed. We may be perplexed, but we're not in despair. We may be persecuted, but not forsaken. And one translation says, we may be knocked down, but we're not knocked out. And so there's times when we need to look back and we need to look into the coins of our blessing box and give it a wee shake and just remind ourselves what the Lord has done. And so I ask you again, do you have a metaphorical blessing box? Have you something in the memory banks that from time to time you can look back and say, look how the Lord has blessed me. David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, you remember how he went out to the battlefield and he talked to his brothers out there and uh, he was greatly concerned that nobody seemed to be standing up to Goliath of Gath. And so, uh, whenever he heard all that was going on, in verse 32, David said to King Saul, he said, let no man's heart fail because of him. 
your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go out against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he a man from man of war from his youth. In other words, discouragement, put down. You can't do this. You're not big enough. You're not old enough. You're not able enough. You're not equipped enough. You're not trained enough. And so in those times, David had a blessing box. Listen to what he said. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came out and took a lamb of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing how he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. And so David reached into his memory box, his blessing box, and he pulled out some memories. He pulled out some coins, and he shook it at Saul and says, no, God has blessed me. Listen, let me tell you how God has blessed me. Joshua had a blessing box. In chapter 4 of Joshua, you remember how that by this time they had come through the desert, they had got to the place where they're about to go in and possess the land, but there was one thing that was stopping them, the Jordan River. And it tells us at that time, at harvest time, it overflowed its banks. But God spoke to him and told him exactly what to do, that the priests who would carry the ark, that they would go out first, and whenever they went out first, as soon as their feet touched the water, the Jordan River split open, and they went through on dry ground, just the way Moses had opened the Red Sea and went through on dry ground. And so when they went through on dry ground, at that point in chapter 4, that's where we break into the story. It came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, and the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourself twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one from every tribe. Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. Note this. When your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. In other words, he had a blessing box. This to them, this, these stones were to be a blessing box, something that another generation could look back to and say, that's what God did for us. That's how he delivered us. That's how he gave us a miracle. And if you read on, you'll see that two things happened. They were to get stones out of the Jordan. And they were to take these stones to the next resting place. And there build an altar. But they were also to put 
a cairn of stones, 12 stones, right in the midst of the Jordan where the priest's feet had stood still. And obviously when the waters closed over, you couldn't see those. But you could see the ones over at Gilgal in verse 19. And the people come up from Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east of the of the Jericho, or Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord it is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So in other words these stones were to be memorials they were to be remembrances this would be a blessing box as it were to these people and particularly to a future generation that would come along and there would be some that would be hidden and there would be some that would be seen and we should have hidden in our hearts memorial stones, a blessing box, things to re- that we can remember, that we can recall, that we can say, that's where the Lord met us. That was the point of breakthrough. That's where God did what he did that delivered me, that saved me, that provided for me or whatever. And of course then, there was the public ones that everybody could see. And all of us has got a public testimony, at least we should have, that God can look at our lives and say, see how God blessed them. And so all of this was uh, to encourage and for our admonition. It's good to remind ourselves. It's good to remind the devil it's good to remind our children and our children's children what the Lord has done for us. The Jews particularly were very, very good at this. They always look back and remember what the Lord has done. In Exodus uh, chapter 12, you remember, of course, Exodus uh, and how that God delivered them from Egypt with a mighty hand and he brought them out and he brought them, of course, uh, uh, through the Red Sea. And uh, in verse 24 of Exodus 12, you remember how they had to take a lamb, keep it for four days, then kill the lamb and sprinkle the blood on the doorstops and on the lentils of their homes so that the death angel would pass over. In verse 24 of Exodus 12, and you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron so they did. And they're still doing it to this day. The Jews still commemorate the Passover. And every year they have a Passover meal in their homes and they tell the story. They recite the scriptures and they sing, remembering the great deliverance that God gave them in Egypt. In chapter 13, 
of Exodus in verse 11. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So it shall be when your sons ask you in time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to them? By strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of the beast. Therefore I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And it shall be a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes, for as the strength of hand the Lord, for by strength of hand the Lord has brought us out of Egypt. And so we see that even in the very Passover, right today, it is a blessing box, as it were, to the Jews. They look back. And of course, every Sunday, generally every Sunday morning, and this Sunday will be no different. We have a blessing box. We have the true Passover. We have emblems on these tables which we will partake of a little bit later. And what do we do? This do in remembrance of me. And at that moment, that is, as it were, a blessing box. Something that we can remember, that we should never forget what the Lord has done for us through him being the Passover lamb at Calvary. In Deuteronomy, in chapter uh, 6, if I can just find it quickly. Deuteronomy, you you may remember, the word is, is deuterus nomos, which means the second law. It's not that there was two laws, but it's that the children of Israel, because of their unbelief, they died out in the wilderness during those 40 years. And a new generation was born in the wilderness, and it was the new generation who had to come in and possess the land. But before they could come in and possess the land, Moses had to read the law to them again. He had to remind them of the blessings that God had given to them. He had to remind them of his laws and his ordinances, things that would keep them safe, that would be a blessing to them if they obeyed them. Had to remind them of the times when they came through the wilderness, how God sent a great cloud in the day to block out the heat of the sun and fire by night uh, to cause warmth in the desert. And he had to remind them of all of these things. And so he reads the law again to this new generation. And in Deuteronomy 6, verse 20, when your sons ask you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and, and, and severe against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his household. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in. 
to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. And so again and again and again, you see constantly a remembrance of what God has done and reminding ourselves. And like that wee woman that Victor Maxwell spoke about, she had her blessing box. And when she felt down and she felt tired and she felt the enemy was mocking her and she felt the enemy was discouraging her, she would shake her little blessing box and say, listen to that, you old devil. That's how much God has blessed me. How much has God blessed you? When was the last time you thanked God for blessing you? Count your blessings. Name them one by one, the song says. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Psalm 103. Wonderful Psalm of David. <coughs> Excuse me. I love what C.H. Spurgeon says. C.H. Spurgeon was... Uh, had a wonderful way with words. He could phrase things in a very wonderful way. And he says about this particular psalm, he says, David selects a few of the choicest pearls from the casket of divine love and threads them on the string of memory. That sounds like a blessing box to me, doesn't it? And hangs them about the neck of gratitude. What a lovely phrase. David selects a few of the choicest pearls from the casket of divine love, threads them on the string of memory, and hangs them about the neck of gratitude. And so David begins this psalm. I will not read all of this psalm, by the way. But David begins this psalm saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. A blessing box. Things to remember. Lest we forget all his benefits. Notice how David starts off talking to himself. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He's talking to himself. Do you ever talk to yourself? Sometimes we have a mutter to ourselves, don't we? But it's good sometimes to talk to yourself. It's good sometimes to have a real heart-to-heart -heart with yourself. We have to do that from time to time and talk to yourself and remind yourself. And that's what David's doing here at the beginning of this psalm. He's talking to himself. He did that a lot, actually, if you read through the Psalms. In Psalm 42... He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him for the help of my countenance and my God. He's talking to his soul. Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Why are you feeling this way? Why are you looking at things this way? And here in Psalm 103, he begins by talking to himself and encouraging himself to bless the Lord with all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget not all his benefits. How easy is it for us to remember all our battles and forget all his benefits? Particularly if you're in a battle, 
if you're in a tight place and you're struggling and it seems to be you're forcing and pushing your way through the stuff of life and everything the enemy's throwing at you perhaps, how easy it is in those times to forget his benefits and only remember the battle. David had lots of battles. We don't know why he wrote this psalm at this particular time. Maybe he was discouraged. Maybe he was weary and tired. Maybe things were weren't working out as he had thought or he had planned. But for whatever reason, he's having to talk to himself. And he's having to say, listen, David, bless the Lord, O my soul. Come on. Bless the Lord. In spite of what's going on and what you're feeling, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Remember what the Lord has done in the past. Sometimes it's good to look back to when you had a last breakthrough. When you had that moment and you didn't know what you were going to do or how it was going to work and suddenly God stepped in and did something and everything changed at that moment. It's good to have a blessing box that you can rattle from time to time. Who forgives all your iniquities. Iniquities here is a strong word. It's not just talking about our messes or blunders or mistakes. It's talking about our grave sins. And God is able to forgive them. Who heals all your diseases. Now let me just lay aside the physical side of that for a moment. He's talking to his soul. The soul has got lots of diseases. There's hatred. There's bitterness. There's lust. There's fear. There's all kinds of diseases that want to grip our souls and destroy us. But God is able to heal every disease of the soul. Every sin, every disease, every bad attitude, God is able to heal it and to cleanse it. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who redeems your life from destruction. Somebody says that the Lord redeemed our soul from damnation and he redeemed our life from destruction. Some of us was on the road to destruction. Some of us would not be sitting here today if it had not been for the Lord rescuing us. Why? Because we're in a self-destruct mode. We were heading for destruction. And thank God he stepped in. Who crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies. It would have been enough if the Lord had just shown us kindness and mercy. But the Lord does more than just enough. His grace is more than sufficient, Paul said, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Those are the superlatives of God. The Bible's full of superlatives where again and again and again the writer, <laughs> he does and says more than what you expect. Not just kindness, but loving kindness. Not just mercies, but tender mercies. And then in verse 10, he says, He has not 
dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Thank God. Thank God he gave us mercy rather than justice. If God only gave us his justice, we would, be, we would have been in hell today. But he came with his mercy. His mercy triumphed over his justice for us. Amen. Somebody said, as the heavens are high above the earth, and so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Somebody said, note that again, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Somebody said if you were to draw a line from the earth vertically right up through the clouds, right up through the stratosphere and the troposphere and the meosphere and the echosphere and above the satellites, above the very planets, right into stellar space, and above our galaxy, right into intergalactic space, and above that, on and on and on into infinity. That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. An infinite distance that we could never calculate. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. Now you can measure from the south to the north. There's a south pole and there's a north pole. So that's a finite distance you can measure. But you can't measure from east to west. If you go east, you'll not ever come to a point where it's west. You will continue to be going east, continually. If you go west, you'll not come to a point where there's an east. You will continually go west because there's no east pole and there's no west pole. So it's infinite. It's unending. And if you draw a horizontal line upwards, sorry, a vertical line upwards and a horizontal line across, what do you get? You get a cross, don't you? And it's at the cross of our Lord Jesus where we have that endless, infinite mercy of the Lord. So there's the height of God's mercy. There's the breadth of God's mercy. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are but dust. He understands our constitution. He knows our makeup. He knows our weaknesses. The Bible says that Jesus touched with the feelings of our weaknesses, our infirmities. And this is the depth of his mercy to us. He knows the very lowest we can go and his mercy will still reach us. He knows our frame. He knows our frailties, our weaknesses. He knows all of that and yet his mercy 
people reach down and pick us up. As for man, his days are like grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But note this. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. There's the length of it. Notice that he goes from, from dimension to duration. From the dimensions of God's mercy to the duration of God's mercy. There's lots of things in the Bible that are, as far as time is concerned, are limited. They're, they're finite. You can measure it. You know, there's the six days of creation. There's the seventh day where God rested. We, we talked about the children of Israel in the wilderness. They were there for 40 years. 40 is a recurring number in Scripture. Uh, and, and almost always it's, it's a, it speaks of a testing period. And so they were in the desert for 40 years. We know that several kings reigned for 40 years. And some of the judges ruled for 40 years. Uh, we, we know that, that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. We know that Goliath stood out there in that valley for 40 days, threatening Israel. You know, seven's a recurring number two. In the book of Revelation, there, there, there are three sets of seven judgments. And there's lots of sevens in the book of Revelation. And so all of those, the millenniums, a thousand years, the devil's cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. But all of those times are finite. You can measure them. There's a beginning and an end. But when it comes to God's mercy, David said, you can't measure it. It's from everlasting to everlasting. Glory to God. And so he's reminding himself that, that he needed to remind himself about the mercy of God. And we need to remind ourselves of the mercy of God. It's from everlasting everlasting to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandment to do them. He ends up by saying, bless the Lord all his works and all places of his dominion. And then he ends up the way he started, bless the Lord, O my soul. <laughs> do you have a blessing box this morning? Uh, let me just uh, finish this morning by just reading this wonderful, beautiful portion in Lamentations. Lamentations was written by Jeremiah, and there are five laments in the book of Lamentations. He was a weeping prophet, and he had every reason to lament. He had every reason to be sad and to weep. Because for 40 years, as a prophet to the nation, for 40 years he prophesied again and again and again. And for 40 years, every prophecy was refused and mocked and disregarded and ignored and scorned. And God had told him, by the way, never to marry and he never got have children. He was a single man all of his life. He had nobody to comfort him. Imagine being a prophet for 40 years and every single prophecy is rejected. 
Nobody wants to hear it. They despised him. Time to time, they beat him up. They put him in stocks. They put him in a pit. They put him in prison. They did everything. But he kept on prophesying the word of the Lord. And he warned the nation. He warned Judah. He told the king again and again, if you do not repent, if you do not change and worship the true living God, God has been very patient. He's persevered all these years, but there's coming a, a time when he will hand you over to the Chaldeans, to the Babylonians. He will punish you. You won't listen to him. You're rebelling against him. He's been persevering in patience. But if you keep on doing it, God's going to draw a line. And he told them this. And they hated him for it. And then there came the time whenever the Chaldeans did come. And it was over a period of a few years, by the way. But there came a, a last time when they came and Nebuchadnezzar brought his great armies in and they raised Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple and they killed many and they took thousands into captivity to Babylon and everything Jeremiah said would happen, happened. Now you'd think when that happened they would listen, they would say you were right all along but they didn't. In fact, he told them before the Chaldeans came, he said, listen, God has told me to tell you the only thing that's going to save you is if you surrender to them. I have sent them to punish you for your rebellion. But if you surrender, you will not die. Jerusalem will be spared. The temple will still stand if you surrender and submit to them. They called him a traitor and they put him in prison. But that's exactly what happened. He came and it was destroyed. And Jeremiah lived to see that. No wonder he was the weeping prophet. No wonder his heart was broken when he warned all along and nobody listened. And oftentimes this is the sad part where you see somebody going down a wrong path and you warn and you warn and you warn and you warn and they don't listen. And you know it's heading for disaster. But everybody's got a free will. And so he writes these laments. And it's pretty grim. He, he, I mean, he's feeling really bad. And to be, tell you the truth, he's really, he's really quite upset with God too. Now I know that you are very super spiritual and you would never be upset with the Lord. Well, he was. Because they thought, you know, I, I'm serving you, Lord, and, and everything's just been thrown back at me here. I don't like this. Lord, look at this mess you've got me into. In fact, if you read a wee bit here in chapter 3 of Lamentations, he says, I've become, verse 14, I've become the ridicule of all my people. They're taunting song all the day. They made up songs about him and laughed at him. He, that's God, he has filled me with bitterness. He has made me to drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope has perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. 
my soul still remembers and sinks within me. <laughs> He's feeling pretty bad, isn't he? He's having a real moan. Now, of course, we would never have a real moan, would we? Well, he certainly did. But then, but then, but then, he remembered his blessing box. Listen to what he says. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. And notice the change in his tenor when he begins to open up his blessing box. And he begins to think, do you know what? In spite of all that's happening around me, in spite of all that's happened to me, the Lord is faithful. And the Lord is truly good. And I'm going to bless him in spite of it all. But you know, even more than that, in, in Jeremiah chapter 32, it's interesting because in Jeremiah 32 in verse 6, and Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle will come to you. That was his cousin. Will come to you saying, by my field, which is in Ananoth. That's where he came from. That's his hometown. For it is the right of redemption is yours to buy it. And Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, see, he's in prison now for all his prophecies that they didn't like. Please buy my field that is in Ananoth, which is in the country of the Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that it was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle, who was in Ananoth, and weighed it out to him in the morning 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed and sealed it, and took witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales. And so I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Masiah. Baruch was a scribe, and he was his friend who would write things, the scribe. And so I gave it to Baruch. And in the presence of witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Then I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this purchase deed which is sealed and the deed which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel. See, this is going to be a blessing box. That they may last many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Ah. He's storing up something to remind the people that God hasn't finished with them. They're going to go into captivity because of their unbelief and their disobedience and their idolatry, but God hasn't finished with them. When they've had enough of captivity and he brings them back 
then they're going to plant their fields and their vineyards and they're going to possess the land again. And these deeds put into this earthen jar would be a reminder. You know, there would be 70 years in captivity. And this would be a reminder. Before you ever went into captivity, God had already given a promise that he was going to bring you out again. And so this was a blessing box. In fact, if you were to read uh, in chapter, uh, more in chapter 32 and even beyond that, you would see again that God was reminding them and telling them that they would be blessed. And right now, God is bringing them back from the nations they were scattered in. Right now as we speak, they're flying in to the land that has been promised to them. And Jews who are religious, there's lots of circular Jews, there's atheist Jews who don't religion, but those who are religious will look back on all of these things and all of these promises and they'll remind themselves. And they need to because they're under tremendous pressure right now. And they'll be under more pressure in the days to come. And they need to look back and say, this is what God has promised for this land and this people. This is our blessing box. And so, have you got a blessing box? Have you got some coins in it that from time to time you can take out and shake and remind yourself of the blessing of the Lord in times past? I'm sure if we went home this afternoon and sat in our chair and turned the TV off or went a walk, I'm sure if we got quiet and alone and started to think, Lord, there's a big fly trying to get up my nose. <laughs> did you hear about the... <laughs> did you hear about the preacher... I forget all of the stories. Oh, no, I shall not even tell you. <laughs> if you have to explain a joke, it's not a joke, sure, isn't it? No, okay. I remember it someday. Another way. <laughs> have a wee think and look back. You might have to look back very far. Maybe just to yesterday. Or maybe 10 years ago. You can even look back to the day you get saved. And it's a wonderful memory to bring out of the box. And particularly if the devil's giving you a rough time, shake the box at him. Say, there you are, you old devil. Look how the Lord has blessed me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.